The Bantertown Boys, Johnny. Back at it again today. No one's ever called us that before. Banter's back. All right. <laughs> uh, were you into boy band stuff? Did you ever do that? I just watched the documentary about NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys manager and like the guy who put them all together, Lou Pearlman. He's the same manager for both? Oh, yeah, dude. Wow. So Backstreet blows up. Well, first of all, this guy's a shady businessman, okay? Okay. And he'd made some money on some questionable business deals in the past. So he's he's outfitting charter planes uh, with, like, leather seats and stuff. And, and, and that's the kind of part he was doing. He was in, like, a, a, the airline industry. Yeah. But, like, private. So he's on a flight uh, doing some million-dollar renovation to this jet. And he's like, who's, who's Jez? And they're like, it's new kids on the block. He was like, these kids that aren't even of age yet, they're flying around in this jet and so he immediately like hatched this plan i'm just gonna put all my effort to this so he starts pulling kids and auditioning in them and he made backstreet boys and then once backstreet boys blew up he made in sync wow and uh it's like he wanted to have coke and pepsi that was his whole <laughs> he did he wanted to be like if you can't you know you, you know, and then the factions of fans against each other. Anyway, I wasn't into any of that stuff, but I was fa- I'm fascinated by the idea of it and the cultural phenomenon of it. And then this guy ended up being not a good guy and he stole millions of dollars from them. And wow, I always wonder, you know, you like I remember the old um, shoot, not Britney Spears, but Jessica Simpson, some of that stuff with her dad being her manager, right? You know, and it was weird, yeah, like, there was weird there was stuff, there was creepiness to it, too. yeah. I mean, and I get I, you would think it'd be good to have. Um, family. Did, remember the story about her that she was being courted by Christian labels, but they thought she was like too voluptuous, right? To not, I don't want to put an ex- exact word on it, but I appreciate they thought she was a little buxom, right? And uh, that's so sad. Yeah. So she just went straight into the. And I'm not again. I mean, I'm not to say like she would have been better off to say in the Christian market. It's its own thing and it's its own world. Right, it's not like that would have. I mean, who knows if that would have been a better outcome for her or not? Yeah. But, you know, Katy Perry started off as a Christian. Right, Katy Perry. She, she was, was uh, uh, Katy um, Hudson. Yeah. Remember no, that? no. Was she? I think wasn't it Kate Hudson? Hudson is Goldie Hawn's daughter. Okay. There's. I would say there's no way to know, but sorry, listener, you're going to hear the clicks here. But I'm going to see. Maybe she was Katy Hudson, but that doesn't make any sense because there is a Kate Hudson. Uh, Maybe that's why when she. Um, I know she had like two records on the CCM label. Katie Hudson. There Katie you go. Hudson. That's her birth name in 2000. Uh, under her birth name, that's when she had her debut studio album yeah. in 2001, which was commercially unsuccessful, it says. Well, yeah. there, there you go, Johnny. It's a tale. I, I can relate to that <laughs> commercially unsuccessful part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Man. Bro, you're not commercially unsuccessful. You're doing great. I'm doing I'm doing fine. I could not We're, be more proud of what's happening with you. Uh, we used to always make the joke, uh, Pastor Roy and I, because he used to do some like uh, evangelism. He would go out and do children's evangelism and, and do these events, VBSs for, for churches and things. And he would say the old like evangelist trope is like, look, we just need enough in the offering to get tires to get us to Florida. <laughs> We just trying to get new truck tires, <laughs> so that's what we always always think about that. Whenever, because back in the day when you start out, I would do like love offering shows, uh-huh. and uh, it's a weird thing to literally be like singing for your supper. You're doing these. We did it as a band too. 
to go in. Oh, yeah. like, well, we're going to take a glove off and we'll just see what. And there's never any guarantee. There's not like a guarantee. No. Well, we'll at least match this much if they don't. And it's just like, let's see what we get. And man, and sometimes there was a lot more love than offering. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> I think you might. <laughs> it's a hate offering we got a few yeah, times. Yeah, I've preached for love offering several times in life. And that's a weird one because it's like, especially if they take it up at the end. Yeah. Anything they do at the end, you're like, <laughs> Was this like okay? Now you're gonna give. It's like getting in the bill. Yeah, right. To, to what I did. Yeah. So. Well, would you rather than give up front, being like, "Well, he seems like a good looking dude." Well, I mean, it's the gospel we're talking about. Like, it shouldn't be like, yeah, you know what, this guy, he was probably about ten dollars. Are you worth. saying the gospel should cost money, John? No, I'm saying that the Bible says <laughs> to support those teachers. So if I want to be in there, just yeah, right. you know, I mean, what's the dollar amount that would make you happy? <laughs> 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 I think this is about your heart. This is a you problem. <laughs> I'm not a huckster, Johnny. You no, know what I'm saying I'm not, not a snake oil salesman. Right. I'm not. I'm just. Uh, what if snake oil was really good for you? Wouldn't that be funny? Like well, it made it out to be it, bad. Right. It turns out it's the magic elixir that changes everything. <laughs> this whole time. My dad's uh, cholesterol clear out. What happened? Snake oil. Snake hey, oil. You wouldn't believe it. Oh my gosh, got it from this preacher. And He's we gave an offering great. at the end, and he gave us free snake oil yeah, afterwards. Then he made it rain. It was unbelievable. <laughs> the whole thing. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. So you're, uh, speaking of snake oil, mm. you're, uh, you've been through some procedures today. Yeah, I just took off my little uh, armband uh, from giving. The gauze. Uh, yeah, from giving blood. So yeah, I went in. So I head out for a cruise next week, which there still will be. Are these related things? Like you're going to get this work done, just in case, so you don't die on the cruise. It's exactly. It's all it is. (laughs) I want to know how much. Get me through the cruise. How much at the buffet can I eat without just keeling over? Uh, No, I mean the deal. In all honesty. so I'm on Lipitor, been on it forever, and I wanted to, and I've been on keto now for a while, and so this. Wait a minute, you're sound, making they're making both of these sound like medicines. You're on Lipitor, which is a drug. Sorry, yes, for and, cholesterol. And then I'm eating a, a keto diet. Keto diet. Yeah, keto is not a supplement. Right, making. I'm not taking anything called keto. I'm eating. You're keto. taking a class. It's a karate right. class. Called keto, keto is taking me to hell. Yes. So, <laughs> at any rate. Uh, like when you reach this moment where you're not really losing weight anymore. So this is interesting. We talked about this over breakfast this morning. Yeah. That when you're losing weight, no matter how it's happening, they medically are saying your body is dumping cholesterol into your blood. You're going to have higher cholesterol often when you're losing weight until you stop. So that, that it may not be a measure, you know, and in cholesterol, even there's all kinds of new data about, Hey, overall cholesterol, high cholesterol may not be as bad for you. It depends on what kind of whether the particles are like sticky or not, whether they they clot or produce plaque. There's all kinds of new stuff that's that's happening in that uh, that my wife is a medical, you know, professional, if not genius. Uh, oh, so boy. she went with me today. I brought my own. I just told myself, I brought my manager and nurse. And my doctor loves Laura. Yeah. Like, they'll sit and talk medical stuff. When I try to say things to him, when I have You to refer go, to Laura as your manager? I did this just as for fun. <laughs> yeah. So I brought my own. Yeah. She takes 10% of my health. Yeah, exactly. uh, she's pretty excited. <laughs> so I walk in there. Because if I go in there and try to tell him, hey, there's new research about... Uh, he just looks at me like I'm an idiot. She yeah. says it. And she begins speaking in medical terms that right. sound intelligent because she's intelligent, then they sit here and have a whole conversation. So she came and, and we had a big list of things. 
and uh, I'm getting all this tested to kind of see, okay, what's this keto doing to me? And not just because my cholesterol will probably be elevated, but hey, let's really examine X, X, and X in it. These other things that are different indicators besides just overall or LDL, HDL, triglycerides, those things, but more than that. So that being said, when I went in to get my blood drawn, which right. I have no problem with, I'm all about the blood draw and the shot. You're all about it. What do you mean? Well, I used to be terrified. Oh. Like, like I was that kid. I think I've told that story before, like that – I, I couldn't help it. I would almost pass out or I would yeah. throw up every time. You don't look at it. You don't look at the blood going out into the vial. I did today. I looked at it. I just looked at it. Didn't worry about it. But they brought over like, no no lie, like nine vials. Oh, no. Yeah. I think the human body only holds 10 vials. So I said, am I going to have any blood left yeah. after this? And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. We should have asked you if you wanted blood left. And we had a good laugh, Johnny. A good dad joke <laughs> laugh. But uh, it, it, at the end of the day, though, it was as much blood as I think I've ever. I've never given. Have you given blood? Yeah, you no. Blood no. I think we're going to maybe have. A I blood don't th- think I have the kind of blood that people want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they see me coming. They're like, "We're good." So You're well. not a needle guy, are you? I'm not a needle guy, but uh, I, I'm not a, like a fried, terrified or anything. Oh, that's good. I, I'm, I'll take one for the team. But I don't know. Who knows if they? My, I'll give. I think that there's a big blood drive happening right now. There's a big like, uh, what is it? A shortage of O negative? I don't know. You know, I don't know what my blood type is. Oh, I don't either. In fact, I should have asked. We should know that they were drawing blood today, and I should have said, "Hey, by the way, whatever that test is, let's run it." I wonder what. When did they find out that there are different types, and that you can't just give blood to everybody? That when did they find out? Yeah, like that's important, right? Uh, I want to say. Oh, I'd say a lot of people died until they figured that out. Yeah. Uh, Okay, I watched a show, and I cannot think of what it is. My wife would know. Right. Seventeen forty-two. It was somewhere. Either in the 18th or 19th century, and they were beginning to do transfusions. Yeah, and there the guy on the show was. Was be- there still bloodletting? Were they still was there leeches yeah, involved? But, well, no, the others, but that was a common practice. But this Jeez. other guy, you know what? I want to say it may have happened on Poldark, which would be like post-revolutionary war. But they're basically beginning to realize that you can't just give random blood to anybody, and they're beginning to type it. So yeah. that was happening. Maybe I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry. I don't remember. Uh, I failed the whole family. But but yes, there was a moment in time, and you think about it. You had to experiment. How would you have known? It all looks red to you. You know. I know. I mean, how would you know? Well, it's like my my father in law had this, uh, you know, a valve transplant in his heart. They bypassed an artery. And it's like he went home a few days later. He's doing fine. I just like you would not want to be like one of the first guys that just let's see if what's see what's going on in here. Yeah, let's crack open your chest and have a look around. You really do think of how we benefit from the years and years and years of testing? And you know, Pastor Roy, we we mentioned him twice. Always jokes about you know. It's a, it's a medical practice, you know? Yeah. I don't want to be the guy you're practicing on. Like, I want you to come back when you have it down. What's you know? the thing, uh, gosh, Elon Musk, when the, when AI becomes smart, as smart as humans or smarter than humans, the, uh, the uh, I'll screw it up. I can't remember what it's called. The singularity. So when the singularity happens, mm. which is coming, where AI computers will learn to be like they'll have a human-like intelligence, but it'll be way better because they it could compound upon itself. So when they pass human knowledge, they said medical advancements will just it'll be through the roof. 
because do you really believe that, uh, that, people, that AI can surpass? I mean, well, I mean, they, it's it's grown and grown every year, so they just feel like it's only a matter I mean, of time. But it seems like it can only be in knowledge. It can't be, and in, 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 perhaps an in intuition, and in that you can predict. Well, that's what I'm saying. We're teaching these these machines to intuit. <laughs> And so when, when they're when they learn how to do that, then they're just they're making their own decisions. It's like we have it now with cars. So cars, self-driving cars, are happening, and they're making human decisions. Yeah, they're deciding to avert disaster by doing this or that. Which that'll get into a whole weird thing of like, do you swerve the car into the guardrail and kill the driver, or do you swerve into to the? I was gonna say, how can they make? How can how can a computer make ethical decisions? That's the real question. And, and I don't know. how can they do it based upon? Well, that's the thing, too. Well, when you're talking about human life and preserving human life, that's not ethics. It's just like they're going to figure out the, le- the, the the pathway to avoid the least amount of damage. Yeah. But they wouldn't measure, do I allow, not that I would either in a split second, yeah. a baby's life versus a, you know, uh, a grown person's life. Right. Generally, all the grown people are going to choose the baby. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. oh, they have more. There's something about that in human nature that we're going to assume allow the younger life to have more life than the rest of us, you know. I mean, whether they do that in the split second, I'm not sure, but most people, I think, in a survey would, Johnny. Let's do a survey. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a nice... John or a baby? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. But, yeah, no, I don't know. I'm interested in that stuff, but uh, my buddy Brian Bates, he reads all that stuff about the singularity, and, and, and listen, Elon Musk is kind of, like, kooky, too. He's, like, the rich yeah. guy that's got enough money to like explore i think i'll just make a space rocket now and uh so he does and it works and he's kind of but he's real odd like he he's making a, he made a shingle for your house that is a solar panel yeah uh, and they're only a little bit more expensive than regular shingles evidently they pay for themselves i don't know how it works but that's a thing that's happening and it's just one of his side projects but he believes in the singularity so much that he thinks that we should start uh i can't remember what it was he believes that we have to find some way to almost befriend artificial intelligence so they don't turn on us this because is Terminator, it's, bro. he believes it's going, he believes Skynet is going to happen. So he believes we've got to figure out a way to encode almost a backdoor, uh, like uh, intelligence that says the humans are our friends because Shouldn't he's so afraid of them I being mean, evil. Here's what I'm thinking. Just go ahead and do that. What's the harm? Because honestly, there are people who there are scientists who believe that humans are basically a parasite on the earth. So if you're like a we talked about uh, you know like the green uh, the green movement and or all the this stewardship this, of the this, earth right. Yeah. And tree huggers and all that stuff. So there's like there's a spectrum of that. Well, on the far end of it, it's like humans are the problem. You know, sure. so like on, on the one end, it's like we're the kings of the earth. We'll do what we want. Let's just drill everywhere and purge and whatever snowy owl dies, whatever. Then there's the other spectrum, which is like we're the problem, and humans will eventually be wiped out, and it's good because other things can thrive. That's the Matrix. Remember, yeah, that was the whole thing. Yeah. Like, the humans are the problem with this, and now the machines have taken over, and it and it it's yeah. better for everything because yeah. you you use everything up in a in the wrong way. That's crazy. But yeah, so Elon Musk is kind of look. On if that you're thing. if you're a computer programmer and you're listening right yeah. now, and you have some opportunity, what could it hurt? Why not go ahead, whatever the equivalent is, and just go ahead and put some little code in there that says, "Hey, by the way, yeah, give them a break. <laughs> don't you know, kill. They're biological. Don't kill us. And they're good. So I don't know, Johnny. I'll think about that. Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, a computer could theoretically live forever. So if it looks at a human and it goes, "Well, this is this weak human. It dies." After 80 or 70 or 80 years, 
what good could it possibly be to me? So that's the thing is the computer's going to, you know, feel know, superior. I mean, can it, though? Can a computer feel? I understand this is like the, the topic of all science fiction, you know, in the last 30 years. But I just am on the, I don't know. I still believe. Okay, so a soul and a spirit, there's a lot of confusion. I mean, I can't clear it up in terms of everybody's belief systems except my own. You know, that the, the, the Christian viewpoint of that is yeah. that a soul is where your emotions, your mind, yeah. your decision-making. So it's more like your, your personality, your, you know, the way that you think, the way that you click. That's, that's your soul as opposed to your spirit, which is related to your soul and your body. Um, but your spirit is the part of you that is eternal. Um, and your soul, I believe, and your body will both be eternal as well. You know, but they're going to temporarily be separated by death, uh, and you know, and, unless Jesus comes back before then. But that 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 part of my soul. That the question is, so like with an animal or with a machine or whatever. Right. Like, so I, I look at my dog and go, you know, I mean, the theologically correct answer is probably, does my dog have a soul? Well, does my dog have a personality or his own thoughts or all those things? Yeah. Is he does he have them uniquely? You know, or are they all just a series of? He certainly has personality uniquely, right. or, but are they all a series of responses to various stimuli, as opposed to a person who seems to have unique things? Um, then you look at a machine and go, well, I mean, can a machine develop a personality, or is all course, beyond is, what's programmed into and it? And this is nature nurture, of course, too. The right. same conversation is: Do we not all have personalities that are reflective simply of? The trillions of stimuli in our life right. that can't be measured. Are you just being programmed too, bro? Right by the life that's around you, by your situations, oh, man, you know, heavy. even by the the external environment. You're not even sure something's floating up in the atmosphere from the, an atomic bomb that went off 55 years ago somewhere else in the world, and it's floated into your world, and it's 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 messing with your chemical composition, the way your brain works, or the water that you're drinking it has a certain preservative in it that's supposed to purify it, but affects the mind this way. We won't know that for another 50 years. And all these things are contributing to the way that your personality develops. develops. So, uh, yeah, wow. You're, yeah. Man. Is all that this true? from the guy who could not decipher in your head last week. <laughs> I'd like to say something before we get to that. <laughs> that, number one, I do I do believe that, that there is a soul that has a, uh, a programmed part of you. I think that you come into the world with something unique that's been God given to all people. I do, I do believe that. I think that's, I think scripture supports that. And I think even from having a child, uh, who is so different from me and from Laura, right. And that the environment in theory, like I said, there may be billions of other stimuli that I have, I'm not even aware of, but I will just say this. It seems on most given days, even our attempts to introduce certain stimuli she responds to those things differently than we do like that she has she has a personality all her own most parents when they have multiple ch- children say that we didn't do anything different with the second yeah right yeah yeah you know they're different so i do believe we have something that, that that's in there that is unique given by god and also leave our spirit is also uh, i think uh, a god breathed thing so that that's number one but to your point about yes. your head <laughs> so this morning before we recorded, I got a text message from Matt Stewart, our fact checker, is also in my community group and is a great friend. And you won't believe, you won't believe what he sent me, John. He saw on their head. He saw the same car in Nashville, a city of what? 
I don't know, John. You don't know the population of Nashville? <laughs> it grows every day, I'm right? I guess like over what, 1.5 million or something. Oh, that's you know? a lot. I don't I, know. I, I I'm never, making up I numbers not, right now. I'm fat. not sure. Matt can fact check that next. But he's driving and sends me a picture while he's driving, by the way. Yeah. So let's talk about that, Matt. Yeah, Is it really not, wise? Maybe it was in a traffic light. Well, it was in a traffic jam. If you're uh, driving in Nashville right now, anywhere you're in a traffic yeah, jam. Yeah, you're already. You might as well go ahead and text because you're just like sitting at a light. So I mean, that's are that's you right, encouraging right? people to <laughs> text and drive? But he sends me Nearhead, and it was the same car. It was like a. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at it. Hold on, let me pull it up. What was it? Is it a Camaro? Of course, it's a Camaro. <sighs> is it a Camaro? It's a Dodge Charger. What is that, Johnny? I don't know. Charger, Dodge Charger. It's a Chevy. Uh, she- uh, what is the? That's a I can't. I can't tell. I don't know if that's. I think it may be a Camaro. Can you see? Yeah, that's a Camaro. It's a Camaro. Anyway, he saw Nurhead, and he was freaking. I mean, it is kind of crazy. He was freaking out about it. Like uh, he sent so many ha 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 has, a couple J's and other letters snuck snuck in there a little bit. You know, <laughs> it really was. I was like, you are kidding me. What is? What are the odds? So, Nurhead, you're Nurhead. out there. If you're listening, Nurhead, we love you. I wish Nurhead would become a listener. Wouldn't it be amazing? Like, yeah. what a we will literally affected a, a city, as you just said, of two million people. And imagine, we would have reached the singularity. Yeah, we would have reached a moment where this show's become self-aware. Our art would have gone so far that it had turned in on itself and brought itself back to yeah. its inception. That'd be yeah. amazing, bro. So, uh, Nurhead, if you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to have him on the show. That'd be great. It'd be great. People still buying Camaros. That's something. Remember when people had IROC Zs? Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw a couple. Was that a, what, what kind of car was that? It was, was a that a Camaro. Chevy? Yeah. Yeah. IROC Z. It was like the up, the upgraded. Yeah. When I was a kid, my neighbor had one of those. I thought he was the coolest guy. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, man, look at that guy. With his yeah, and like my, my uh, he was my college roommate. You remember Steven? We went to high school together. Yeah. He had a, uh, like a, it was a Trans Am or a Firebird. I can't remember. They were kind of the same. Pontiac. Yeah. Pontiac. Uh, Trans Am slash Firebird. Uh-huh. It was nice. Yeah. It's really, really nice. You, do you, they don't have Trans Ams anymore, do they? I don't know. I think they tried to bring them back, but it looked different, and then they stopped making didn't them. Didn't Smokey and the Bandit, didn't he That was a Trans Am. That was yeah. the big eagle on the front, yeah. Yeah, Trans Am was like a big deal in our time. Yeah. The no, 80s, Trans Am was a big deal in the 80s. But I think it still kind of symbolized, it wasn't like you saw, I don't know. Even then, when I saw Trans Am, I didn't think, I don't know, maybe a... You didn't think it was a big deal? You thought that the IROC-Z was a bigger deal than a Trans Am? I don't know. I just, I'm trying to remember. I think when you knew the person, though, then you're like, oh, but that's a big redneck with this. So now you associate those cars <laughs> with, like, rednecks with loud stereos and stuff, you know? Right. But, like, I'm sure in the 70s, late 70s, when that movie was out, it was like, to get a Trans Am. I bet that, I bet that car was one of the most popular cars in the world for people who had sports cars. Oh, yeah. You know, you want to you want to get the bandit car. I wonder when when a car company decides to like retire a a, a car that was a like, hey, this isn't having the yeah. same impact anymore. You know, you remember in like the eighties, um, was it maybe late seventies? Like the Mustang became almost like a compact. Yeah, it was ugly. They were really like a ugly little, and tiny funky. Little four door, like they turned it into. They took an away escort. the boxiness and coolness of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Mustang was awful for a while. Yeah. So, because I, I used to drive a 1967 Mustang in high school, it was my brother's car when my when my 1988 Plymouth Sundance blew up. Oh, the Sundance! Oh, the Sundance! Which they don't make anymore. Either. Oh, yeah, that's one they retired. <laughs> You're gonna want to go ahead and retire that one. But uh, so I saw it drive that, and that was great. I mean, like, because I love Mustangs. 
And then the 80s, my brother also had like an 85, I don't know what it was, like an 85, because they kind of came back and they, yeah. they were a little more like uh, beach cars. Yeah. They had, had that rounded front, you know? They were kind of girly. They weren't as, they weren't as muscle cars. Yeah, they're car like Malibu looking. more uh-huh. than muscle. Mm-hmm. Bro. Whoa. We could work for car companies. Man, we really could. Oh we should be an ad agency. I'm looking for the Malibu instead of the muscle. <sighs> and so, and then, it, of course, they're awesome now. I love the Mustangs today. They're still yeah, a little they smaller. Kinda, they're not yeah. the, they're not the, uh, you do, you think of them, like you said, boxy. I think of the old Mustangs as kind of big and boxy. But. Well, SUVs are that way now, too. They're all rounded off. There's no edges to them. And I like, I like a boxy SUV. Yeah. I like an SUV that looks like a box. Well, if you're going to be high, up high, if I say if you're going to be high, if you're going to be high, don't gonna, drive. <laughs> if you're going to be up high. Make sure you're texting out there, everybody. <laughs> if you're going to be up high in an SUV, you kind of want to go ahead and have that whole you know, tank around you. Yeah. There for, the, for the Not make it look like a, a gremlin that's up on a chassis of a right. truck. Right. It's like a, I've seen these crossovers. They're like $40,000. It looks like an AMC Pacer. It really does. They're funky. Yeah. You got the weird windshields. I just don't like them. Yeah, I have this weird, like, Laura loves Subarus. Like, yeah. She loves Subarus. Subaru Forester's a great SUV from what I've heard. Everybody loves But those. Subaru SUVs, Look well, like. Well, not the Outback. The Outback is like a station wagon. It's just a station wagon to me. That's but what the Forester's and boxier and nice. But people call it an SUV. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, it's obviously a station wagon. Yeah, it's, it's on a car chassis. Yeah, I agree. It's with sitting you. down low, and Laura's like, oh, I like that. And I'm no. like, it looks like uh, National Lampoon's vacation yeah, car. Yeah, the family truckster. Laura's wrong. Yeah, I don't understand. I'm not afraid to say. I want to. I want to know from the listeners, like, where does a where does a vehicle cross over (laughs) from station wagon into SUV? How do they know? To me, it's the truck chassis. It's got to be on some sort of chassis that's up high. But I don't know. We're tackling though. We are. We're moving into some the issues that the world. How does a car like? Do you think they knew the Trans Am was going to be iconic? Like I always think about product placement in movies. Is like this weird thing. I, I'm fascinated by it. Like, did you know that uh, ET when they were making ET, they originally went to another candy company because you know they kind of lure ET into the house mm-hmm. with Reese's Pieces, mm-hmm. which was a brand new candy at the time. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, Reese's Pieces had just come out. The Reese's had been out, but they just started making Reese's Pieces. Gotcha. And which was kind of like a peanut butter M M&M, and M, but they went to M and M's and was like. This is a this is going to be highly placed in this movie, and M and M's was kind of like, eh, no way, and they balked, and so they go right to Reese's. It was Spielberg for crying out loud, and uh, so now Reese's Pieces, and then of course it became like this huge, and I think it really affected the sales because they're like, if it's good enough for ET, <laughs> you know, I wonder if Ghostbusters affected marshmallow sales. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know if it did or not. Stay puffed. I don't know. Stay puffed. That's an interesting. It's an interesting. I don't know. I like that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Now, product placement in movies is different. It's very. It's more sly. You'll just see a Mac sitting on a table. You'll see the Apple logo. I don't know, glowing. man. Sometimes on some of the like the CB, the network shows. Yeah, it's like five shots. Looks like a car commercial. Yeah, yeah. To see them, they had that. You could tell five it, Audis in a row. You're like, right. all right, that's too many okay. Audis. And they zoom in on the logo or the, yeah. or the emblem on the front of the car. Well, and, obviously, the Bond movies cars yeah. are very important. And it's a, usually a... Because I think in the old days, it, I don't know if that it was. Like, can you remember the old James Bond movies with Sean Connery that they would show the Mercedes emblem or whatever? I don't even remember that. I remember that. But now it's like every Daniel Craig Bond movie, yeah. it's, you'll, they'll zoom in on the BMW emblem or whatever it is. Yeah. Or Audi. And and then you'll see a car commercial that's very James Bond-like. Sometimes I'll use James Bond in the commercial. Yeah. 
Yeah, they've like there's no shame in that anymore. Selling out or whatever it used yeah. to be like you you're accused of selling out, but now you're like famous people. I think the difference is people use their voice. Like you'll be like, all right, this is Jif Peanut Butter, but that's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> like if you don't see him, I think he just feels like, well, I didn't really sell out. I just took the two million dollars from Jif Peanut Butter. I would love to do voiceover work. You, just, you need to sound like Morgan Freeman. Oh, I don't. I don't. Ever since I was a boy, I've loved Jif Peanut Butter. <laughs> I don't know. That's as close as I can get. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could do. I think you could do voiceover work, wow. dude. Here, I would love to see somebody write a cartoon. We should write a cartoon. I think that's where it would be for me. I want to voice over a cartoon character. And the only way it's going to happen is if to make your own cartoon. Well, probably so. Johnny. There's a lot of work in cartoons, John. I don't think you understand. <laughs> well, I'm not going to draw, draw it. each cell. <laughs> <laughs> so first things first, art classes. Yeah, right? I'm going to start there. This is a really long dream. No, I just I, I want to. I, I think. I, I've, I don't know. There's something about that genre to me that's fascinating because you have such he, freedom to not right. have to. Like you can act with your with your voice. As well, it's like the to, Simpsons. Those guys make like four hundred thousand an episode now. Wow! And they they don't have to take. They can come in their pajamas. Yeah. Think about it. They're not yeah. on camera. They just show up. You get the money and the fame without being visually recognized. But that much. is a. They are the outliers. Obviously, that's twenty eight seasons and counting of the Simpsons or whatever. So. Yeah, and they are great. So it's it's hard to say. Like, well, that's what'll happen to me. No, I don't mean the success, but I just think it'd be cool. Like, I remember the first time. You know, to me that we always talk about that. There's something to be said beyond the success. It's success to be in in some sort of industry at all, or to have a project that gets published right. at all. I remember my first start writing. We said this before. I just remember thinking, man, if there was ever anywhere in a bookstore, it was back before Amazon. I just thought, man, if words I had written were actually published on yeah. a paper and they were sitting on a shelf and somebody had the opportunity to buy them, like that would be the all-encompassing thing. Not realizing then the average book on the shelf sells less than a thousand copies and not realizing that just – but there was a purity to like, man, just to, to know Where I had something. did you find out about the thousand copies thing? You read it in the book probably. You know what? <laughs> I, I've said a it so many times. Sold. I don't remember where it came yeah. from, but I've heard that thing from – The average book sells less than a thousand copies. Yeah. Man. You got to think everybody. There's more people writing books than you think. Yeah. Um, I heard uh, Charles Martin say the other day. We may have said this before that you know people asking write about writing books all the time, and you know, he says probably a hundred people have sat down with him to ask about the process. He goes, out of those hundred people, two actually wrote the book. There's a lot of people who don't write books who want to. I, I don't mean anybody who doesn't have a great book idea or want yeah, to do it. Right. Uh, but there's a lot more out there doing it than you think who are just doing independently or you know pitching to publishers and those those kinds of things. Yeah, I had an idea for a book, uh, a scary book, a thriller book, and I have a friend who's a who's a very successful thriller author, um, and his name's Stephen James. So I was like, I messaged him one day. I was like, Hey, I got an idea for a book, and he right out of hand was like. No, I don't do that. Like, what you should write it. And I almost was like offended, but now I see what he means. He's like, I don't. I'd rather it come from me. I don't. You know what I'm saying? It was yeah. a good idea too. It was about a a serial killer who, uh, like, there's a, str- a string of serial killings happening, and they don't know what's happening. They don't know how to. And then this one detective, he finally figures it out. I told you this before. So he figures it out that it, the killings coordinate with this stand-up comedian's schedule. And uh, and then so then they go and arrest the stand-up comedian, and then it ends up being like uh, a red herring because it's the opener. 
Wow. Because he was there the whole time. Every right. Time. Yeah. He's at the shows too. Wow. So it was the opening comic. So, and the book was going to be called I Killed. But look. <laughs> <laughs> but Stephen James rejected it. And so it'll, you'll wow. never see. It won't happen. Now somebody's going to take that idea and do it. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, some weird phone calls this week. I had a phone call yesterday with a genealogist. Okay, like a guy who uh, studies genies. Right, yeah. He's uh, it's in honor of the new Aladdin movie coming out, so I thought I'd reach out. I wanted to make sure I was ready. Uh, no, I was cleaning out my office this week, uh, and I came across research. Because there's a, I mean, I've always got a project going, but the Captain William Driver uh, story, like I found all kinds of stuff, and my friend Zach had done a lot of research for me back when we were really working on this project, the state archives and those things, and found out a lot of more Things I hadn't had time to really read through in right. some of the the primary sources we had found. Dude, this guy in the in the eighteen sixties, like it was unbelievable. Like governor, then military governor Andrew Johnson had appointed him to the Nashville City Council. He removed all the city councilmen because they wouldn't take an oath of allegiance basically to the union and replace them with once the union had taken back over and he ran for he was writing all these things against slavery, writing about um, I mean, his children, he had two sons fight in Confederacy, and uh, he had this, he sewed the original Old Glory into the quilt. You know, we talked about that. And, uh, but I found a, a source that said he literally did sleep under that every night. So, I mean, I, th- I always thought if I wrote a cool, like, historical fiction about it, that that'd be a cool detail. Yeah, but, it's like uh, uh, National Treasure with Nicolas Cage. Yep. He's like, it's hidden in plain sight. Right. And he did that. Like he, I found sources, whether they're all accurate, I found sources from the 1800s that, that this story was way bigger, you know, and it just kind of has died down. And so, but I still not sure if I'm related. I, I know I'm related somewhere. We have the same name and we're all, all from England. So but how far it goes back. So I actually decided, you know, I'm not going to be able to, to track that down all on my own. So I actually spoke to a genealogist yesterday right. who specializes in Tennessee and New England. Uh, because I'm looking for where they came from, Massachusetts, and so we just had an interesting conversation about you know what the steps are to figure those things out. But to me, with books, the point of that is I'm always thinking of a story, and I'm have thinking. You, but have you done the 23andMe thing? I have sent my saliva off before, just <laughs> uh, just randomly in the mail. <laughs> just started mailing it to friends. We buy saliva dot com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've sent my saliva. I go to saliva banks just to make a little extra That's cash. That's nice. That's cool. And there's a shortage, bro. I have type <laughs> Q. Um, I have type Q saliva. No, I did that, but it was it was like some ancestry thing a couple years ago. And, and what happened? It, it came back me, and said super white. It's oh yeah, it was totally British Isles, extra white, Ireland, Britain area. So yeah, um, but. Like beyond that, like I, I don't know, I, I I gotta have. She's talking about looking at a lot of uh, land deeds and marriage records, and but t- taking you know taking the the data that you know about your family and really you know adding those primary sources that make it make sense. So I'm just very fascinated by I'm fascinated by the stories. I could write the story with or without being officially related. I think it'd just be a, another cool place to go, but. I keep waiting for 23andMe to end up being this big scam by the insurance companies to find out who has mar- genetic markers and propensity for certain diseases so they can like put it on your rider that they won't cover it. Wow. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's it's the next step, right? Because like, but once it becomes more common, and this data is supposed to be protected, yeah. well, you I already mean, can get covered for it, some pre-existing conditions, right? So yeah. if it leaks, and you have, let's say, there's the genetic marker for breast cancer that some women uh-huh. have, and some women go get mastectomies when they when they find out they have it. Well, if you find out that you have that marker, you might not have breast cancer yet. But if this insurance company knew that information. Right. Well, that, why would they cover you? Because they're they're going to protect their own their own well being, so or their own interests. So it's like, man, they're. So that's I just think great, that's that's uh, twenty three and me. You know, that is that's a conspiracy insidious. theory I can buy into. Thank you. John. Because again, pre existing conditions are already doing that to some extent. We're not going we're not going to cover you if we know you already have this. So once everybody knows what they have already from a genetics point, right? Then it's no longer a matter of what's you know manifested in your body or your health, but now it's a matter of. Us seeing the seeds of what could What if grow? we're not supposed to know this stuff? What if it's like the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you know, 23andMe? Do you think all knowledge is good for you to know? Do you think it's good for you to... Like, if you, know, if you knew that you were going to die at age 46... I think it'd be the worst thing ever to know. Right. Now, you know but what? that's kind of what 23... We're heading down that path yeah. by knowing all of our stuff. I completely agree. I actually study a lot. I was reading Ephesians this morning about about... Paul, I'm really fascinated by what prayers Paul prayed versus yeah. what prayers we pray. And in, in the book of Ephesians, especially the prayers for the, the reader and the prayers for the, the body of Christ are almost all that you would have the strength to understand yeah. or the strength to comprehend or that you would be filled with this spiritual ability, you know, but it's all about the ability to understand and process God's love. Like it's, it's never like, it never, I don't see him ever pray. Like, I wish you'd overcome those stupid sins. Like it's always... But it's not knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's not like, I wish you'd be filled with knowledge so that you would know more. It's like, specifically, I wish you'd be filled with knowledge that would help you understand the depths of God's love for you and the mystery of his plan from the foundation of the world that is revealed in Christ. So that, that knowledge, to, to answer your question, like I think that it's interesting to me and telling that the Genesis narrative would call that moment of sin, it, that it would throw a knowledge of good and evil as a, as a label into it. Because I do think, and, and think about what the, the lie of the serpent was. The lie of the serpent was that once you eat this, then you will have knowledge like God. Yeah. And, and there was a lie. The lie wasn't, and, and in some ways he was right. There was partially true. You're now going to understand the difference between good and evil, which is the kind of knowledge that they, they wrapped up all knowledge in that. Yeah. But what he failed to tell them, what he omitted and what he's lying to them about is that that's going to satisfy you or going to make, make you like God and make you good and make all things good for you. When the truth is it did exactly the opposite. So I don't think knowledge in of itself obviously is bad because I, I don't think God had put any sort of pro, you know, prohibition on knowledge for them. I think they would have grown and continued to grow. We're talking about machines and all those kinds of things. They could have built all those things. It's the, it's the knowledge of, of understanding what truly is this. It's the knowledge that there are other, I I can, I'm not going to say this. It wasn't like blissful ignorance, I believe, before this. I right. think that makes God look like he created these robots right. and, and set them up with a trap that they couldn't understand uh, the implications of and yeah. all those kinds of things. The, the real knowledge was is, is true knowledge and wisdom, Scripture says, is found in the fear of the Lord. That's in Proverbs 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But that is not 
is not book knowledge, and that's not even experiential knowledge. Like there is a wisdom, the Bible says, that's from above, is what it says in James. And it's, first of all, pure, and it's peaceable. And so like there's this pure wisdom slash knowledge that is found in relationship to the creator that is not just lists and information. Right. Lists and information are found in him. But the true knowledge that, that, that they – it's not like they have a knowledge of evil. They already had a knowledge of evil, by the way. Think about it. God said, hey, the moment you do this, this is going to happen. He was already telling them what evil was. Mm-hmm. Here's death. Here it's coming. Here's how you get there. Like here's what it's going to look like. Separation from me. The day you do it, you will surely die. Like he wasn't hiding from them the existence of knowledge. It was something deeper than that. It was a desire to think that that can satisfy apart from this trust relationship. I'm going to believe my ways can supersede the way of the creator. 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 That's how the machines will say it someday. <laughs> my ways can supersede the knowledge of the creator. Uh, and when I choose that, I'm choosing myself to be the source yeah. of knowledge as opposed to the one who created me. Well, there's things you protect Sadie from, for instance, that it's not like... She's not going to eventually know it, but she's not ready to to have all that information yet. Absolutely. And so, is that that's not bad parenting? That's good parenting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's back to the twenty three and Me thing. It's like we're going to know things that we couldn't have known twenty years ago, and I just wonder if it's something we shouldn't have known ever, and we're kind of like breaking down a door that we shouldn't break down because I just wonder, like think about what social media is done for us. We've talked about this before. We know everybody's political opinions and everybody's 24 hour opinion on everything all day, every day. And it causes anxiety, right? It doesn't, it's, it's not, uh, it doesn't cause good feeling. It causes bad. It causes a stress, uh, cognitive dissonance. I love my uncle Fred and I hate everything he stands for. Yeah. Uh, you have to carry those two weird ideas in your head constantly now about Uncle Fred. And I think that's, uh, I don't know. I, all that said, I have a ton of like risk factors in my family. Maybe I should do 23andMe. Where do I send my saliva? <laughs> where, this where do I send my saliva, John? No, I, I think that, I think that, and I love the scripture that says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Or the word for that is edifies. Yeah. Knowledge puffs up. And it sounds real like, and again, it, it, to the skeptic, it's like, see, all of all of faith is don't learn, don't learn, don't learn. You know, just be blind in your faith. And and obviously, I just I, I just quoted or partially quoted multiple scriptures from Ephesians, especially like God. We're Paul is praying that that believers would grow in knowledge. Like, well, grow but in it's knowledge, knowledge, and, knowledge. knowledge and understanding. It's different. There's yeah. different things. Yeah, you can have a list. You can have a lot of knowledge and like not know how to not know what to do with it. Yeah. You know, when that goes down and, and, and not understand, I think you said it a minute ago, not understand your capacity or your role in it. Yeah. When I think that I am the, and there's a, uh, a book about that where we, we feel that our thoughts now are the center of existence and that our belief systems are best expressed by the way that we think, excuse me, our belief systems are defined by how we think and how we express, which again is why you can say that you're adamantly opposed. Uh, you, you're, you're a you're a huge proponent, like you're an activist for clean water in Africa, right? 
and you post about it all the time and you'll argue and even willing to you to lose friends over it if necessary because their political viewpoints are different than yours but you've never been to africa you may actually you may give some but it's a nominal amount like it would not be what even 50 years ago we yeah. would have been able to characterize as uh, an activist mindset but what the the modern mindset is is that i that is what i believe because that's what i think and I feel strongly, I feel strongly about, and because that's what I express. And, and, and there's a day and time where if you were a clean water advocate, then you're either going to go dig a well or spend yeah. your life in Africa helping people dig wells. And so, like, we've lost that experiential part, or you're going to understand that you can care about that, but that you, you may not, your thoughts may not be the only thoughts necessarily about it. So to that end... Then, then to your point of understanding, I don't think it's just understanding in greater detail all the points yeah. of it. It's understanding your position yeah. in the big story. If I know I'm not the one who who changes the the water, we really do believe that. that you can change the world. Like these kinds of things are in there. Hey, hey, Johnny, you you may not be able to change the world. Yeah. Like you're Johnny and I'm John and we're going to live in Tennessee for this 70 to 100 years. I'm going for 100, remember. Um, but – God's got a plan for my life. I have choices within that plan, and I'm going to affect things. But the odds of me really affecting global outcomes, you know, like that's the big dream. And so we all walk around disappointed because who's really affecting the global outcome? It's really hard to measure or quantify what that is. Yeah. You know, but we believe we can and that we should. And that, I think, is sort of that knowledge of good and evil. Like I now I see evil and believe that my thought processes and my actions can can necessarily greatly affect the global narrative about it man this is yeah. heavy is it Just, i don't know <laughs> i feel like the global narrative <laughs> i just want the global narrative to be the last words of the podcast <laughs> guys go build your own global narrative <laughs> that's so funny yeah you, you know I, one I, way you could affect the global narrative wow john sharing this podcast that's so neat did you know that we love you, listeners. After we just told you that that is not something you can do, go try to do it anyway. Well, you can affect this. our little world, our little corner of the world. There you go. It starts with your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Anybody around you. Right. Or the people that are on social media. <laughs> so, yeah, they're your neighbors. And we spend our whole show tearing down social media, and then at the end we're like, hey, share it on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, I read a tweet the other day that said, Scotty Pippen's autobiography should be called 23 and Me. Which I thought, this is so great. I just thought of that. Okay. Uh, uh uh, well, listen, guys, uh, 23andMe, not a sponsor, but not you do what sponsor. you want. If you feel like you want to send your, send your spit through the mail, you have at it. Swab away. And you know what? We have had a couple of listeners contact us about possibly wanting to be sponsors. We laugh about not having sponsors. Yeah, but we should look into this because we're it's, getting a lot of listenership now. It is. It's something we're debating. Well, debating is a strong word. We're not like, arguing about All it. All aboard the listenership. We're, cons- toot. Toot. we're considering it. Because we want to know the best way to preserve, I think, what we're doing, you know. Uh, we don't want to sell out to any sponsors and have to stop in the middle of what, this this brilliant conversation and say, also, Dasani. <laughs> I don't think I would have a problem doing it. Like, I don't yeah. mind making turns, you know, hard turns. I just don't because, you know, it just is what it is. I do, and, and, and we've had some good, some good possibilities. So we may end up doing it, but... Maybe you're out there and you're thinking, man, yeah. help me good for me because I know the people listening to this podcast, the people that would benefit <laughs> from something else that I do. So so feel free to send us uh, stuff if you're interested in, in that. I don't know, Johnny. I mean, send us know. free things to go. We want to make sure it's a product we support. So send us 
Yeah, like, like a like a uh, like Porsche. Yeah, exactly. If you want, if you want us to let's let's we'll, we'll downgrade that. Like, let's just say McPherson guitars. Okay, we'll just, just start there. Sure. We'd be happy to have twelve thousand dollar guitar. Send me a guitar. We'll play it for a while. If it works, we'd be happy to put you on the air. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, in all honesty, uh, it is something that we're considering, and and it would be for the purpose mainly of promoting the podcast to more people. You know, to, yeah. to be able to really boost and push those things, which out helps there. you as an advertiser. Exactly, because the more people are getting it, guys. Everybody wins. It's like a, everybody it's like wins. a circle. <laughs> <laughs> but as we, in, in all seriousness, it means a lot that you listen, and it means a lot that uh, we get to kind of just share our our time and and these thoughts with you. And your feedback means a lot. So be sure to uh, tweet us at Johnny I E <laughs> Johnny I E <laughs> at Johnny underscore W or at John underscore Driver. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram and other places. And uh, send us questions or thought processes that you're having. Topics is something I want to. Some people yeah. like. Like the top, the things we get in questions often are about more technical sides or more about our story, our relationship. I think that's amazing. If there are other topics, like hey, could you guys tackle? You know, maybe we've already tackled them all. I don't know. But would you mind talking about the more this? controversial, the better? Yeah. So well, we love to hear about that. But as always, it means a lot that you're with us, and we'll see you next time on Talk About That. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.